You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. You know, we've been in a series, we've been talking about how to hear God's voice. And how many of you know it's important um, who you're listening to and what you're doing with what you're listening to, right? I mean, it's important who I'm who has my ear, who, who, yeah, who has my ear, who am I listening to, and, and, and what am I doing with what I'm being told? You know, growing up, I have two older brothers, and uh, so there was three, three boys, three of us in the house, and uh, growing up, as you can imagine, with three boys in the house, there was a lot of stories to tell. Um, a lot of wild things happened with three boys in the house. All of us were about two years apart each, and so um, we we're all super close, and it reminds me of the story of my oldest brother. His name's Ben. We call him Benny D., and uh, growing up, we, we lived in uh, North Iowa for just a short amount of time. And um, while we were up there, we lived in this little town. It's called Clear, La- Clear Lake, Iowa. It's like 8,000 people, okay? Small town, but um, really nice town. We, we, we still visit from time to time. And when we lived there, we had this nice, this nice house, this nice little house and a great backyard full of all kinds of stuff for, for three boys to do, right? And so we, we had a great spot for us to play. But then our neighbor's house... He had um, a really nice yard as well, but in his yard, he didn't have kids, and so he had um, a garden, a vegetable garden. And in this vegetable garden, I mean, he was pretty particular with how he took care of it. I mean, he had um, tomatoes, he had watermelon, he had like a, all kinds of different things in his vegetable garden. I don't even know what else. I don't do that, but so he had a ton of stuff in there, right? Every day he's out there taking care of it, watering it, making sure it has everything that it needs, right? It's like his, his thing that he loves to do. It's his hobby, and one day, um, my brother Ben, Benny D, he has a friend come over from down the street, and him and this friend are in the backyard, and they're, uh, they're playing baseball, right? They're throwing it, they're, they're hitting it, and they're uh, playing catch in the backyard. Well, Benny's friend, he, he has this great idea. He's playing, and they get bored playing baseball for a little while, and he says, well, hey, what if, we, um, what if we hop the fence here, and we grab one of those tomatoes off of your neighbor's garden, and we use that as the baseball, and so what's Benny D's natural reaction? <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome, right? Not the right response. He should not have said that. Yes, that sounds awesome. So what's Benny D do, right? He goes over, he hops the fence, he goes over, and he pulls off a nice juicy tomato right off the plant in this guy's garden in the backyard, okay? He's got it, he throws it up, and he smacks it with the baseball bat, and it explodes everywhere, right? Sauce, juice, everywhere, it's everywhere. So what's his buddy do? His buddy starts laughing, right? He thinks it's hilarious. Yeah, do another one. All right, man. Yeah, okay, one more, one more. So he goes over, he pulls it off there, throws it up, hits it again. Well, at this time, Benny D is having a pretty good time, right? It's kind of cool to hit things and they explode. And so uh, he says, well, rather than pulling all these tomatoes off, what if I just start hitting them off the plant that's holding them? It's kind of like a T, right? It's holding it there. I'll just smack it off of there. So he goes through and he hits another one. He hits another one. He hits another one, right? He's just going down the line, and then he comes over to the watermelon, right? And so there it is. And so he goes, and he just comes down on it, smashes the watermelon. This guy's garden, right? Yeah, he's smashing it. His buddy's in our backyard, dying laughing, thinks it's so funny, right? Wouldn't you know, right about this time, my dad happens to look out the back window, okay? And he sees Benny D's friend, and his, his friend's laughing, having a good time. And he's like, what is he laughing at? 
And he looks over where he's pointing, where he's laughing. He looks in the neighbor's yard, and sure enough, there's Benny D over there smacking this garden. And all my dad sees is this massacre taking place. He's destroying these plants, this guy's plants. And my dad immediately sees what's happening. He goes and he runs and he kicks open the back door and he yells, Ben, what are you doing? And there's Ben. You know, that moment where, like, you, you, you stop and you realize it's not going to be good, right? I got caught. Like, there's no way to describe what I'm doing with any type of an excuse, right? And my dad yells out and he says, Ben, you better run because if I catch you, I'm going to kill you. And so Ben drops the bat and he takes off running, right? He literally runs around the block. Obviously, my dad didn't kill my brother, right? Everybody calm down for a second. He didn't kill him, right? But he did go once he finally, uh, Ben finally had the courage to come back home and face my dad. He did say, all right, well, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go and go get your wallet. Or we're going to go over and we're going to talk to John. You're going to have to offer to pay for what you destroyed in his backyard. The thing I didn't tell you was our neighbor was a police officer. And so he had just got home right after Benny took off for his life, right? He had just got home from work, so he's in full uniform. And so Ben goes over there, the walk of shame. My dad sends him over. Like, you got to go by yourself. Like, you're going to walk up there by yourself. I'm not going to the front porch with you. You did this. Like, go for it. So the walk of shame. He walks up, rings the doorbell, and here comes Officer John, comes out, full uniform. He's got his gun on his hip. And here's Ben with his wallet, and he's shaking it. Uh, I, um, I destroyed your plants in the backyard. Luckily, Officer John was super nice, very understanding. He didn't make Ben pay for it, but it's important, right, what and who we're listening to. Because where did all this come from? Benny D, hearing an idea from his friend. His friend had no consequences, right? He got to go home. Nobody's the wiser. And what happened? Benny D listened to the wrong voice, obeyed the wrong voice, and got in trouble for it, right? You better run, I'm going to kill you, like that moment, right? All this could have been avoided if what? Listen to the right voice. You know, Jesus talks about this, and he talks about how he is the good shepherd, and there's a stranger who wants to come and talk to the sheep. He talks about us being sheep, and he talks about how it's important to listen to the shepherd's voice versus the stranger's voice. And this is exactly what he's talking about. He's saying there's going to be people that are trying to talk to you. The enemy is going to try to talk to you, tell you to do things, prompt you to do things. But so am I. He says, I'm the shepherd. I'm going to prompt you and tell you to do things. Follow me and obey me. And we have a choice to make. And so today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about how do we identify God's voice. With all of the voices in our world, with the enemy's voice, with Facebook, with the, the news, with, with, with my walk with Jesus, how do I identify whether it's something else, whether it's me, or whether it's God's voice speaking to me? So here's what I want to do. I've given us seven questions. We're going to go through these really quick. Seven questions to help you identify God's voice. Seven questions. You ready? Here we go. First one is this. Question number one, simple. Does it line up with God's word? Man, I feel like God's telling me to do something, but does it line up with God's word? Can you find verses, promises, and examples of it in Scripture? So what we talked about last week. We talked about how we're talking about the will of God. How do I know God's will for my life? Well, the general will of God is known by what? His word. The specific will of God for your life is known by his voice. So how do I know if it's God? Well, i got to have a pretty good understanding of God's word so I know God's not going to say anything that doesn't line up with his word. 
It's not going to say anything that lines up with his word. You know, many times there's a lot of people that will say, hey, God told me to do this, but it's very opposite. Or maybe they say, hey, well, this is a new revelation that God's given me, and it's brand new. No one's ever had this before, and I think this is supposed to happen. And I heard this quote a long time ago, but this always stuck with me when it comes to God's word, and it's this. If it's new, if it's brand new, no one's ever found it before, right? If it's new, it's probably not true. (laughs) If it's new, it's probably not true. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In Galatians 1.8, it says this. It says, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel, angels from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news or gospel than the one we preach to you. Meaning this, if we preach anything other than this gospel, this book right here, let God's curse fall on us. So how important is it then for God to speak to me that it lines up with his word? I'm going to see it in here, and I promise you when God speaks to you, you're going to see examples, stories, you're going to see a lot of things that line up with it in his word. Question two is this, does it make me more like Christ? Does it make me more like Jesus? Whether you know it or not, God's ultimate purpose is to make you more like Christ every single day. Not hopefully, well, hopefully I'll be more like Jesus at the end of my life. No, today he wants to mold you more like Jesus than you were yesterday. He wants to shape you to be more like Jesus than you were yesterday. In Philippians 2.5, it says this. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Meaning what? He wants you to have the mind of Christ. God wants you to have the mind of Christ. That when situations arise, I don't run and panic and fear or worry. I think like Jesus thinks. So then what do I do? I do what Jesus would do. I walk in authority, I walk in power, I walk in my covenant relationship with my heavenly father. I have the mind of Christ. Some of the other translations say, have the same attitude and mindset as Christ. Same attitude. That can be tough to have, right? It can be tough whenever you you have to go into a meeting with maybe that coworker or that boss that you really don't get along with, that you really don't like that much. I'm going to choose to what? Abide by his word have the same attitude as Christ has, the same mindset as him. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says this, that whenever thoughts come, in order to have the mind of Christ, what do we do? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That means as soon as fear comes knocking, as lust or, or a faithless or judgmental or a worry thought comes knocking on my door, what do I do? I have a choice. I can let it sit and linger or I can lean in and say, you know what, I'm going to take that thought captive. I'm going to capture it, and I'm going to teach it, show it how to obey Christ. But what's my foundation? It's got to be his word. How can I teach it to obey Christ if I don't know the written word of God? Christ is the, the living word. How can I teach it to obey if I don't have anything to teach it to obey to? Does it make me more like Christ? Another side note with this is this. Many times people say they have this this idea from God, or God told me to do this. I feel like God's speaking in my heart, and he says do this. But a Christ-like idea, this is a good thing to remember, Christ-like idea helps others. So then here's the truth. If an idea, if I feel like God's telling me to do something, and it helps me, but it hurts other people, probably not from God. It promotes me, helps me, but it hurts others. I'd be very cautious because that's not more like Christ. What did Jesus do? Lived perfect. 
the last person that should have been washing people's feet, but that's what he was doing. He was serving, serving, giving what? Humbling himself so God would exalt him. And that's what we do as well. Does it make me more like Christ? Does it just promote me and just hurt everyone else around me? Question three is this. Does my church family confirm it? Does my church family confirm it? Have I checked? Man, I feel like God's telling me to go and to do this. Have I checked with mature believers? Have I checked with somebody that I trust that is sold out to God's word, that's solid in their walk with Christ? Have I, does my church family confirm, confirm it? Have I checked with mature believers? Look at this verse from Ephesians 3. In, in verse 10, it says this. It says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom. Meaning what? If I need wisdom in my life, where should I run? To his church, which is what? His body, where the Holy Spirit is. Two or more gathered, I am there with you. So, man, I need some wisdom. I don't know if this is God or if I'm just like kind of going crazy here. If I feel like I should do this, what do I do? I run to my church family. I go to people that I trust, that are sold out to his word, that I know when I ask them for their advice, their response is going to have something to do with this book. That way they keep me, what, on the straight and narrow. They keep me on the straight and narrow. If God's genuinely speaking to you, there's going to be other believers that are going to confirm it in your life. This is how it works. It's very similar in a marriage. If you have two, two believers that are married, man and woman, they're married, and they're seeking after Jesus, right? They're both going in that direction. And you feel like God's put something on your heart, but you're not willing to share it with your spouse. I would say be cautious. It might not be from God. If you feel like I can't, if, as long as they're, again, they're going after Jesus, they're a believer, you guys are growing together, but you don't feel like, man, God told me this, but I don't feel like I can share it because it's going to put a hindrance in our relationship. Let me remind you that a marriage is one of the purest forms of church. It's one of the purest forms of church. God is never going to do something that's going to hurt your marriage. He's not going to tell you something that's going to hurt your marriage. He's going to tell you something that's going to make your marriage stronger. How do you know this? We have two covenant relationships in life. One, me and God. Covenant relationship. Blood bought, what is it? It's two people becoming one. I'm abiding in Christ. Covenant. The other one I have laid out in scripture is what? Marriage. One man, one woman, what? Becoming one. Covenant relationship. Our life gets crazy when we lose those two covenant relationships as our priority. Because even though I'm a pastor, I don't have a covenant relationship with my job. You don't have a covenant relationship with your job. Let me take a step further. You don't have a covenant relationship with your kids. It's with your spouse. So what happens is we get so focused on all these other relationships, and I'm doing other things here that these two fall by the wayside, but God's word says those are the most important. Two things becoming one. Focus on those two, and man, your life's going to be going in a really, really God-designed direction. God-designed direction. Question four is this. Is it consistent with how God's made me? Is it consistent with how God's made me? Is this thought, is this action, is it inside my God-given gifts? Let me tell you, though, this is not an excuse to say, well, I feel like God's calling me to go do that, but that makes me a little uncomfortable, so I'm not going to do it. 
That's not what I'm talking about, right? Jesus said the Holy Spirit, one of his names is the comforter. Why? Because we are called as believers to live uncomfortable lives serving Jesus. We have a comforter and a helper in the Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an example for me, right? I know God hasn't called me to go play in the NBA, okay? Can I just admit that today, all right? It's okay. It's okay. He hasn't. And no matter how hard I try, I'm five foot, we'll say five foot nine, okay? Five foot eight and a half, right? No matter how hard I try, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Let me show you where we see this in Scripture here. In Ephesians 2.10, it says this. It says, we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus, look at this, to do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God has something for you to do specifically that he planned for you. Not just for, I got this for all of my people to do, for you to do long ago. But look at this one in Romans 12.6. I love this. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts, look at this, for doing certain things well. You know what that tells me? There's certain things that I cannot do well. That's okay. Why? Because God's gifted me to do certain things well. I'm not going to go play in the NBA. I'm okay with that. God hasn't called me, gifted me to do that. So then, is it consistent? God's calling me. I feel like God's prompting me to do something. Is it consistent with how God's made me? Is it consistent with how God's made me? A good example for me is this. When I was growing up, through all through school, through high school, through college. Man, I took a speech class in college, and I hated it. Hated it. Why? Because I hated public speaking. I didn't want to get in front of people. When I was, when I was in, in college and in high school, I was the kid. You ever feel sorry for that kid? Maybe you were the kid that was up there, and it was like they had nothing to put their stuff on, so they were just shaking the whole time, right? Anybody else that person? Show of hands. Okay, a few of you. All right. That was me. I didn't know God had gifted me to communicate until I took a step of faith and obedience. So again, it's not I'm saying, is this lined up with my God-given gifts? Not, does that make me feel comfortable? Do you see the difference? Does it make me take a step of faith? Why? I still get a little nervous before I come up, maybe a lot of nervous before I come up. But what does it make me do? When I live on purpose, I have to rely on God every step of the way. It's dangerous when I'm living my life and I don't have to rely on God for anything. Got a great paycheck got a good job. I hate my job. God didn't call me to this job. Pays good, though. Going to retire early. Am I doing what God's called me to do? Gifted me to do. Most parents will say this. You might have heard this. Most parents will say, or, or maybe motivational people, you can be anything you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do, right? Try hard. Work hard at it. Most people will say that. Godly parents Godly leaders will say, you can be whatever God calls you to be, and you can do whatever God calls you to do. Why? Obedience to his word. What has he gifted you to do? There are certain things that you can do well, certain things you cannot do well. It's okay. Find what God's gifted me to do. Lean into it. It may be a little uncomfortable. That's okay. God's got my back, and I'm going to give him the glory every step of the way. Question five is this. Does it concern my responsibility? This is where it gets interesting, right? I mean, I feel like, I feel like God's told me to tell that person something. He wants to speak through me to that person. 
Does it concern my responsibility? Here's a, in parentheses, is it any of my business? Is it any of my business, really? This is where it gets interesting. Okay, bear with me here, all right? In the book of John, in, in, the, in chapter 21, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's talking to Peter. And he's talking to Peter, and he's like, hey, whenever you were younger, you could dress yourself you could go wherever you want to go, but he says, there's going to come a time where you're going to grow old and someone else is going to have to dress you and take you wherever you want to go. Meaning what? He was telling Peter, hey, you're going to live, you're going to live a long time. And Peter's there and he's listening to Jesus, but the problem was Peter was distracted. Jesus is talking to Peter, telling him all of the stuff that he was going to happen in his life. And Peter begins to look around and he's like, I know Jesus is talking to me, but he looks back at John and when, when Jesus is done, Peter goes, but what about him? What about John? What's going to happen to him? And look at Jesus' response here. Jesus replied, John 21, 22, if I want him to live or to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Look at this. As for you, just follow me. What is that to you? I was talking to you. <laughs> Why are you concerned about John? You follow me. Many times we can be so eager to be the mouthpiece of God that we're well-meaning in what we're doing. We're well-meaning believers, but we overstep our bounds a little bit. This is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 7, right? He says, before you judge people, but before you dive into someone's life and dissect and say, well, I know how to fix your life, what does Jesus say? Matthew 7, verse 3, he says this, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me get, help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Again, I'm well-meaning. Man, I want to help you. But Jesus has said, hang on here. I'll talk with them. Pump the brakes a little. Is it any of my responsibility? Is now the right time for me to speak in to their lives? Is now the right time? God told me to tell you can be a very dangerous statement, <laughs> okay? Does it happen? Absolutely. Does God speak through people to other people? Yes, he does. Absolutely. I would say every day he does. Maybe more times than he speaks to, to people directly in their quiet time. Many times he speaks through someone to somebody else. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you guidelines. What are some guidelines? I feel like God spoke to me about someone else. Here's three little tips for that. What do I do? The first one is this. Be patient and pray about it. Be patient and pray. Pray that God would reveal it to them personally. Pray that God would reveal it to them personally. Be patient. Don't just, as soon as you hear that word for someone else, don't just kick open the door, hey, I'm coming over to your house, I got something to tell you. It may not be the right time. It may be a way for you to start praying for them, and it may take a little bit of time. Second one is this. Many times God will... He'll use you to confirm what he's already told them. So if I'm speaking to them and it's like totally different from what God's been telling them personally, I always want to make sure, hey, you need to do what God tells you to do. I'm just trying to be a good steward, but maybe I've overstepped my bounds a little bit. You're going to confirm what he's already telling them. And here's the best one. God usually uses you without you being conscious of it. 
you're going to be in a conversation, you may be in a meeting, you may be on the job site, you may be in class, and you're having a conversation with someone, and you say something to them, and you're like, I don't know why I just said that. I don't know where that came from. I don't know how we got off on this topic. But God was speaking through you to them. Why would he do that that, that way? So that we don't get the credit for it. So that I don't get prideful. I'm, hey, I speak for God. Man, God uses me all the time. It can be easy to fall into that. Rather than I'm in conversation, and I'm just so focused on what? Following him, abiding in him. I'm living life spiritually. When, when the Holy Spirit prompts me to move, I do it. I say it. That what? I don't even realize, man, I, I said that. I text that to that person, but, man, I didn't, I didn't even know God was using me. Why? I can't take credit for it then. One of the best people I know at doing this is my mom. There's been times where she's known things about, God's revealed things to her about our family, about my family, my, me and my wife specifically, about what was coming in our future that she knew years in advance. But what did she not do? She didn't hear from God, drive over, hey, I don't know how to tell you guys this, but there's some big changes coming for you guys, okay? Buckle up. She didn't do that. What did she do? She got back in her quiet time with God. She prayed for us for years that God would reveal the timing. And as soon as I told her, hey, I feel like God's telling me to do this, what did she say to me? Yeah, I actually, uh, I knew that two years ago. What? <laughs> you didn't need to do it two years ago. Why didn't you tell me? I understand. God wants to use you to speak to people, but what? Be patient. Pray. Have wisdom. Is this the right time? Do I need to wait? It's okay. Let me pump the brakes here for a little bit. But the big question is, is it my responsibility? Am I just getting in something that I don't need to be in? Number six is this. Is it convicting rather than condemning? Is it convicting rather than condemning? This is huge. What's the difference, right? Conviction and condemnation. Conviction is from God, and it's designed to fix problems so that you can move forward. Many times, I'm going to be living my life, and God's going to speak to me, and it's going to feel a little bit like discipline. Ah, oh, man, I, don't, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I feel, I feel guilty about doing that. I need to fix that. I need to make that right. Conviction does what? It says you need to make that right. Go fix it. Now let's move forward. We're done with it. We're never looking back at that again. We're going to learn our lesson, and we're going to continue moving forward into what God has for me. But here's the opposite. Condemnation is from Satan, and it's designed to attack your value and hold you back. Man, I feel like God's calling me to go and to step into this and to do this. But then I'm reminded of who I was and the mistakes I've made, and maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough to do this or to take this step or to live this life. What is that? It's condemnation. The devil attacking your identity to hold you back from what God has for you. So then, I feel like God's calling me or, or he's doing something in my heart. Is it convicting? It's probably from the Holy Spirit. Here's the promise in Romans 8.1, though. It says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs> There's no condemnation. What does that mean? I may have messed up, but that's not who I am. I may have been walking, living in sin, but I can live free now. I may have made a lot of bad decisions, but I'm not there anymore. That's not who I am. Jesus said, I am a new creation. In Christ, I am made brand new. Old things are washed away. All things are made brand new today. I can live in freedom, and I can move forward into what God has for me. 
No condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God is never going to attack your value. I heard this quote several years ago, but it says this. This is so good. God knows your sin, and he calls you by your name. He knows what you've done, but he calls you by your name. Satan knows your name, and he calls you by your sin. He knows your God-given potential. He sees the gifts God's given you. But what does he say? Yeah, but you're just, you're just a sinner. You're just an addict. You're never going to be good enough. He knows your name, but he'll just call you by your sin. God will never attack your value. He may convict you, but that's what a good father does. Hey, let's fix that. Let's make it right, and let's move forward. Convicting rather than condemning. Last one is this. Do I sense God's peace about it? Do I sense God's peace about it? When God prompts you to move and you feel like God's speaking to you, if God's asking you to take a step of faith, God is not a pushy salesman. You ever had a pushy salesman before, right? Maybe at a car dealership, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe at the furniture store, right? Hey, I'm just here to test out some couches, man. Like, back up a little bit, you know? You ever had them? Hey, God's not up there saying, hey, take this step. And if you hesitate for a second, he's not up there saying, hey, make the decision right now. Yes, no. Three, two, one. Yes or no. Make the decision right now. Choose. Yes or no. That's not God. He's not going to do that. He is going to tell you, but he's going to wait for you to respond. He's a gentleman. We know that he waits. He knocks at the door and he waits. Hey, I got stuff for you, but you have your choice. You can do and take a step when you want to take a step. 1 Corinthians 14.33, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. If I feel, man, I think this is God, but this is super confusing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. God's not the author of confusion. What does that mean? He's the author of peace. He wrote it. So when I walk, again, it doesn't mean I'm I'm not going to have questions. God's going to ask you to do something, and you're going to say, I don't know how that's going to work out. God told me and Leslie to start a church. Well, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. I don't have a job. Like, where's the income come from? We're starting this thing. I don't know how that's going to work. It didn't mean I didn't have questions. I had questions. But what did I have more of? Peace. Then I know I can move forward. Because when I walk in obedience, I have peace. All the questions will take care of themselves. In Philippians 4, 6-7, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I could have just said this today, right? How do I hear God's voice? Right here. Be anxious for nothing. God, there's a lot going on. My life's crazy. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God, when I give it to him, and I walk with him, it surpasses all comprehension. God, you said move, and I'm moving, and I don't know how it's going to work out. What is that? I have peace that surpasses comprehension. Peace that surpasses comprehension. As I wrap up today, let me give you some reflection questions and an action step. These are really simple. (laughs) It's simple and direct, right to the point. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? You know, I believe that as we've been gathered today, as we worshiped, as we were 
diving into God's word, as we're looking at some of these, these questions, I believe that the Holy Spirit's been prompting you about something. Maybe it's a step you need to take. Maybe it's an action. Maybe it's a sin that you haven't dealt with yet. Man, I need to stop doing that and move forward away from it. Maybe it's a commitment. Maybe it's a job change. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? In here, in your spirit. Second question is just as important. Now, what are you going to do about it? Week one, we talked about obeying immediately. We talked about how many times God's prompting me, but I'm cautious. But delayed obedience is still disobedience. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Last thing I'll say this as we kind of wrap up talking about identifying God's voice is don't overcomplicate this. I know I gave you seven questions today, but these are just filters. Store these away for something, for, for that time when it's a critical, big decision that you need to make. Store these away. It's not complicated. God is a perfect father. He loves you. And as a perfect dad does, he wants to spend time with you and he wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. That's why in John 8, 47, it says, whoever belongs to God, hears what he says. The reason you don't hear is that you do not belong to God. You belong to God. If you do, you can hear his voice. If you're in here and you say, Pastor Dan, I don't know if I do belong to God. Maybe I did it one time, but I've kind of drifted, been doing my own thing. Here in just a second, I'm going to give you a chance to make things right. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Pray with me, and let's make it right. Let me pray for everybody real quick. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for the Holy Spirit, and thank you for your voice. Thank you that you're a good father who wants to speak to us, guide us, and direct us. You have good things for us. And God, we're just here to be willing and available for you to use. God, that's our prayer today. Help us be available. Help us walk in boldness. Help us take steps in obedience to follow you. We thank you for it. If you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second, if you're in here, as I talked a little bit earlier, you'd say, Pastor Dan, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm, right with God. I don't know if I belong to God. Like I said, maybe you did it one time, but you've drifted. You've been doing your own thing. You haven't been serious. If you're here and you want to make things right, you want to start hearing God's voice daily. You want to start being led by his spirit. You want to be a part of his family today. Right there, I'm not going to embarrass you, but would you just raise your hand? Just high enough for me to see it. You can put it right back down. You say, man, I want to make things right. I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm ready to live in freedom. Awesome. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say a prayer up here on stage. And this is a prayer. Say it out loud. Believe it in your heart. God said you're going to be saved. You're going to be a part of his family. So I'm going to say a prayer. I want everyone in here, everyone to say this prayer after me. Believe it in your heart. Say this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to come to this earth and to die on a cross for me. I believe that you raised him from the dead. And right now, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Make me clean on the inside. Forgive my sins. Holy Spirit, 
I give you permission to start speaking to me, to start leading me in Jesus' name. I am saved. I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.